when we talk about sins, oftentimes if we were going to list out sins, worry does not make the list. Why is that? I mean, you think about it. If we were to say, God doesn't want you to sin, why does worry not make that list in our minds? Because we don't look at it as bad as other things. You know what I'm saying? It's not... It's like stealing and murder, and then, then there's, there's just worry, and like everybody worries, but just because everybody worries doesn't mean it's okay. And if the Bible talks about it, then it needs to be something that we deal with, and it's, it's weird how we'll expose sins, and we got to know that God wants to bring revival, and God brings revival through His people, and we know that sin hinders the Spirit of God. So I think this should be on the docket to talk about as much as anything else because of the fact is if it's a sin, something we need to deal with. But at the same time, it is also a legitimate thing in our lives and we got to know how to deal with it. So I think it's important to kind of break these things down and talk about it. So when we talk about worry, we, use, we don't say I'm, I'm worried all the time, but we say, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, a, it's a, an outburst of you're dealing with a situation and Anxiety builds up inside of you. Frustration builds up inside of you. And you, you lift up your hands and go, I don't know what to do. I'll be honest with you guys. I did, that, I did that a number of times this week. I did. I just was at my wits end and I'm just dealing with something. I said, man, I don't know what to do with this. And all of a sudden that gets into your mind and the devil throws gas on it until it explodes and it gets bigger. It's like, we'll say it like this. I'm so afraid of if this happens. So let's just be practical in here tonight. We're, we, we've got a smaller group, and that's what I love doing this. What would you guys say are some of the real things that we worry about? And you say, you just called it a sin, so I'm not going to admit in front of everybody what I worry about. But just being real with each other, what are some things that we, on a regular basis, deal with, Gary? Health, Health absolutely. Finances. Finances is huge, huge. What, what's something else that we stress and we worry about? Our children. Our children. All the time. Where are they? What are they? Why aren't they talking? And, you know, what, what are they not telling me? What are they hiding? Just it, what, what is something else that you worry about? We worry about employment. employment, getting laid off, the economy, our retirement, 401k, Social Security. Guys, these are real things. You know, and sit there and say, well, don't worry about it. That's, that's a phrase that we say all the time. It's like, well, if I don't deal with it, I could be homeless. I don't know what I'm going to do. This could be life or death. So these are legitimate things. So, so very, worry is so powerful because worry is a battle of the mind. And if we're just being honest, that is why it's not a tangible thing. If I lie, it comes out of me. If I steal, it's something that I evidently do. But worry is an internal thing. It's like doubt and some other these things. So it's not as obvious. And sometimes when there's sins that are not as obvious... We hide them better than what we do. But we, let, let me illustrate. I'm I, just as human as you guys, so I'm going to be just transparent. Tell you this week for me, it's kind of the things that I've gone through. So you guys know this morning, uh, I went to the airport. I dropped Jordan off to go to the fly to the Philippines by himself. And he got onto a plane, and he's flying over there. And you know where his layover is? It's not in China, but you're close. That's where I'm going with this. It's in Tokyo, Japan. So he's lying at landing there. Well, if you look at the red map of where the, is it the corona? Yeah. Uh, the coronavirus, the, the Kung flu or whatever you want to call it that's over there. It's, it's the, 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 that thing that's spreading like crazy over there. It, it, my son's landing right in there. 
And, in a, and you say, how do most germs spread? Well, one of the biggest ways that germs spread is on airplanes. A confined space, well, he's on that plane for 16 hours before it lands. 16 hours. It's just a long time, and he's got a long layover, and then he gets on another plane that's flying out of there. Now, just being real and transparent, that thought gets into your mind. And then you're sitting there thinking, wow, if he got sick, just, just being honest, I'm not even there. You know what I'm saying? And if I wanted to be there, it's not like I can just get an Uber and get there in a few minutes. I mean, it, it would take days and passports and flights and layovers and all that to get to my son. So these things get in your heart and mind. It's just, it, they just start consuming you and you start thinking, what if? And all of a sudden, if you're not careful, your mind travels way far with it when the reality that my son is okay. Right now, my son is fine. But we don't think like that. We allow the devil to run there. Here, let me give you another one. This week, I got a text from one of my neighbors and said, just to warn you, the guy that moved in two doors down from him, which is just three doors down from me on the other side of the road, is, is a pedophile. And he's a registered pedophile. And you guys know that they send that out and they, they let it, the neighborhoods know. And it's not pointing him out or whatever. It's just the law. It is to keep other people safe that make you aware. And, and Morgan leaves my house by herself to go over to our neighbor's house, Tim and Jenny's. Uh, Tim that's here at the church and them. Um, and she helps them with their home daycare and she has certain days. So here I'm thinking, this guy's two doors down. He can see my daughter. I, I mean, she's leaving my house. And before I know it, my heart is just like thinking of him sitting in a car and pulling up and pulling. And you say, that's crazy. No, that's, if you watch the news, these things happen. And if we're going to be real, it's the same thing that we could go through with every single one of us. Every single person in this room, if we were to walk through the list, there are true concerns when it comes to your health and true concerns when it comes to the reality of where we're at. You, we, and, and the devil works on this and he pulls our brains. You guys can be laying in bed and having, you know, have you ever had something where you say, man, my hip has been hurting, you know, like crazy and Jenny went three days this past week with a headache, morning, noon, and night, headache every single day. And it start, you know, my mind is going, oh man, what, what's going on? But when your mind gets a hold of it, all of a sudden you're thinking, well, what if it is a tumor? And she'll have to have surgery. And, you know, if it's you, you're thinking, well, if you have surgery, that's, you know, the, 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 what if this happens? And what if it's a hereditary thing? And what if, what if it's too long? And what if we didn't realize it? And what if, what if, and our minds just go, and it just happens like that. Can't sleep. And our minds get hijacked because we're not thinking about the faithfulness of God. Even though we know He's faithful, but our minds are in another place. So let's just break it. What is worry? I mean, I know we talk about, well, let's just define what is worry. Worries is an uneasiness of the mind. Worry is to feel anxiety about something or to fret. It is, it is to exaggerate a problem in your mind to think of the what ifs or to think down the road of what's going to happen. And that happens all the time all, to all of us. It's like, I know things are okay now, but I can imagine if this gets worse or out of hand or the economy or whatever happens next in the elections and those things. But did you guys know that the word worry is not in the Bible? So we've got words that describe worry, so we have that. But the word worry is an actually an old English word that means to strangle. That's what the word means. So it literally means that you allow something to get a hold of you 
that peace of God that's to rule in our hearts and minds. And all of a sudden, Satan reaches up through worry and says, and you're, you're being choked out. That's, that's what the, the word means. That's where we get it from. Here's the crazy thing. You say it's an internal thing and we hide it. But did you guys know that worry affects us mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically? And I'm not just making this up. I'm not just saying that because sometimes we say, man, it affects every part of you. Doctors have explained, and I quote a doctor, worry affects our circulation, the heart, the glands, the whole nervous system. It has a profound effect on your health. And I'm talking about worry. Your mind can send your heart and your body and your brain and every aspect of it. Your, your computer gets overloaded and it affects you. Having anxiety attacks and all these things. So let's take most of what we're going to talk about out of Matthew chapter 6. And this is where we did our Bible study. And, and, I, and I talked about it, but I just kind of like ran over it just because of time. But I want to go back and let's just read this whole uh, rest of this chapter together. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought of your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, for what you should put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubic unto his stature? And by way of taking what thought of raiment, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that, that, not, uh, that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. I'm talking about what God has done. Wherefore God hath clothed the grass of the field, which is today is and tomorrow is cast in the oven, Shall he not much more clothe you? O ye of little faith, therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or with all shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth what things ye need of all these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow. For the morrow shall take thought for its, these things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. And we'll explain this. Now I'm just going to pull from here, but I want to make this very practical. Because I don't, I, I don't want to just talk about it. And the, the Bible was very symbolic, talking about food and raiment, meat and clothing. And he was talking about the everyday needs and getting to the core to where if you're talking about health or kids or whatever, and the Bible just says, I know there's all those things, but let's just go to the, some of the simple things that probably everybody thinks about. So we're, what we have these warnings about worry. Number one, and there's blanks, so you guys got to keep up, okay? Number one, it accomplishes nothing. It accomplishes nothing. And we can say that all day long, and yet we still do it. Isn't that weird? Just say, you got sick over this. It bothered you. You stayed up all late. It made you miserable. It took your attention off of the worship service. It took your attention off your Bible reading. You could read an entire chapter and get done and go, what did you read? I don't even know. Your mind just travels to another place. At the end of the day, it didn't accomplish anything. Now, here's what Jesus was saying when he was teaching this. Which of you taking thought can add one cubic unto his stature? You, you think about it, it, it's the matter of as much as I want to, I can't make myself grow. There's, there's just no way. And he was saying, what are you going to worry that's going to add to, change, or do anything? Worry doesn't fix anything. 
Now, we're going to explain something because I think this is important to understand. Because we struggle between two things. I don't, I don't need to worry, but that doesn't mean that I don't need to work. Does that make sense? And I, and I know that we say that all the time. You're saying, well, you're saying I should do nothing. I'm not saying that you should do nothing. So where is the line at to where I go from working at it and trying to accomplish something and, and working my job or looking for a new job and not stressing about it? And I think that's important for us to understand. But Jesus is speaking and comparing this. So let's just put other words. Stress accomplishes nothing. Worry, fretting, fear, staying up all night, all these other things. It doesn't do anything. But it does change your mood. It does distract your mind. And it does exhaust your spirit. So we just need to lay that out there just from the very beginning. If you're worrying, it only brings you down. Number two, oh, that is the next point. Worry weighs you down. You could say worry, uh, uh, worry pulls you down, however you want to say it. But the Bible is very clear. That now you know why it's a sin. Now you know why God says, and you just think my mind's wandering. But God says, no, it doesn't just wander. It affects you. It pulls you back. It hinders you. God died to cover the things and set us free from the things that hinders us. Proverbs 12, 25, heaviness in the heart. You guys see what it's talking about, the seed of emotions, the inner you. Heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop, but a good work, word maketh it glad. Stoop means to decline. It becomes heaviness. It's a weight in your heart, the inward part of you. I, I remember... Uh, we were doing cleaning up the drama. I can't remember if it was last year or the year before. And the, they, the guys were using the truck, and I, it was like one of the crosses or whatever, and we were just trying to get everything put away. And I thought, it's only across the parking lot. So I just picked it up, and I'm walking across the parking lot. <coughs> Not a big deal, you know what I'm saying? I'm just like, until you're halfway across, and all of a sudden you're thinking, holy cow, why did I do this? It was so dumb. I should have waited on the truck or whatever. But that's what heaviness does. After a while, you get weak. You start getting frustrated. You get mad. That's exactly what the Bible was saying here. It says heaviness in the heart of man makes you slow down. It affects you. It, 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 but a good work maketh it glad, and it makes this comparison. It, it does this. That's why the Bible says, let us lay aside every weight in the sin that so easily besets us. It pulls us down. But the Bible also says in Proverbs, it says, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. Merry heart is good like a medicine. It literally helps you, lifts you up. And we'll talk about how to get that here in a minute. But a broken spirit drieth the bones. It weakens us. Or what is dry bones? It's frail. It means you fall apart. And I think a lot of Christians that you see even out of church and you're saying, what happened to them? It's not a matter of the fact that they fell in the drugs and they went off the deep end and some of these things that we think about. It could just been the sin of worry that started as a seed that led them to this. See, the Bible is talking about spiritual problems create physical problems. They do. Spiritual problems create physical problems. Number three, worry puts our focus on the wrong direction or in the wrong direction. It's as simple. If we are not trusting God for all things, when we are worried, we are not trusting God. That's the sin. If we are worried and we allow the anxiety to get to us, it means we are no longer trusting God. So look at this verse in verse 25. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought of your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body. What you should put on is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment. It's what it was saying. Take no thought. 
that means it doesn't mean not to plan. We are to plan. We are to take action. But it says take no thought or don't let it go to anxiety. Now, this is where we have to be controlled by the Spirit. Now, I'm going to ask you, and I've said this many times before, is it a, is it a sin to be angry? No. Because no. what does the Bible tell about us about being angry? Be angry and sin not. So there's a thing that this feeling comes in, just the same way that when Jesus was with the money changers, and the Bible says that he was stirred up. Uh, let me go back to that same illustration with that. If my daughter was grabbed or I saw that guy coming out asking my daughter to come over and talk to him, should I be angry about that? Absolutely. You know, I'm not going to walk around, dude, I'm so sorry. I don't mean to bug you. I'd be like a bulldog. I promise you. They just, it just would not be pretty. I should be stirred up because there's some things that are worth fighting for. It's just like when we see some of the things that I was talking about this morning. To be stirred up or, or, or to be convicted about something or to take action for something. But at the same time, we're to plan, but don't let it get out of control where it turns into anxiety. Which literally means that I want to plan what I'm going to do tomorrow. I want to look for a job. I want to take action. I want to check on my health. I want to get checked out at the doctor. If I have a pain or whatever, I want to. But the thing is, I can't allow the devil to take my planning into anxiety where I'm not just working at it. I'm allowing it to consume me because that's what happens. It does. It takes over our lives. It says, take no thought. Don't let anxiety kick in is what it was telling us. And that's where it comes into carnally minded. Because it, it happens. I, I told you guys this story before. Was, to me, it's funny. It's just something that happened to me. So I, I, I literally had this happen to me where I thought that I had something wrong with me for the longest time. Actually, I, I have a lot of stories like this. It's just the weirdest things that happened to me. And so I just started limping a lot. And I would be running, and I would get the sharp pain in my leg, and I would almost fall to the ground. And I, I just remember going to Jenny, and I said, something is bad wrong with my foot, and it, it sends a, a pain all the way through my leg. And I said, I am losing the muscle in my leg. I don't know if I have a, a, a nerve problem or whatever. Then I'd have a couple of days. I'd go through Sunday. I'd be fine. Monday morning, I'd be doing something, and I'd almost hit the ground in pain. And I didn't know what it was, and it was a stabbing pain. It was horrible. I went, no joke, like six months with this. I mean, this problem got bad, and I was really messed up, and my mind was like, I'm going to go to the doctor. I'm going to get checked out. I'm not going to tell Jenny because I don't want her worrying. You know, I'm going to check with my life insurance and, you know, all this other stuff. And then one day I turned over my shoe, and there was a tack in the bottom of my shoe. But the tack went all the way through, but it was stuck beneath the foam in my shoe. So when I would step hard, it would just poke just enough and it would send that, that in that sharp pain in my foot. And it was like something that I was dealing. But it wasn't enough to like put blood in my shoe or whatever. Pierce, it was just this irritation that I had that was sharp. And all that time, it was no big deal. But you know what? In my mind, I was literally planning my death. That, you know, and you just say, you're a big baby. I know I'm a big baby. That's not the point right here. It's just a matter of what the devil does with our minds. Worry will pull your thoughts in the wrong direction when you don't keep it, which we'll get in here in a minute. So let's talk about that. I want to spend the rest of this time talking about what do we do about this. It doesn't accomplish anything. It takes our mind in the wrong direction. It gets out of hand. It is sin. We know that. But I don't think that's any of that stuff that you'd say, well, we didn't know that. But what can we do? Number one, now make note of this because I think this is important. 
to do what you can do. And the Bible says, faith without works is dead. Don't use your faith as an excuse to not do anything. And this is something that I think is so important. I've had people lose their job and just talking generically with this. And I say, what do you, did you put out a resume? Did you get out applications and stuff? Nope, I'm just trusting God to get me a job. I'm like, well, God gave you two legs and a brain, so you better put those to work. And I think it's the same thing with anything else. It's a matter of if you're not feeling good, you go to the doctor. And at that point, I've done everything that I can. So God never told us not to use wisdom or take action. You've got to do everything that you can within your power and reason. And, and that's what the Bible was saying. Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead. Being alone. Yeah, man may say that thou hast faith and I have works. Show me thy faith by thy works and I will show thee thy faith by my works. It's putting confidence in that. I went out and applied for jobs and there's nothing else that I can do. So I go home and rest on the couch praying that, God, you can do with those applications much more than I can do. It's the same thing with your health. And I know that's easier said than done, but let's not stop there. Just the same way that with Moses and the Red Sea, they trusted God and followed Moses to the wilderness. And after they obeyed God, they made sacrifice, Passover, they came to the Red Sea. And what could they do at the Red Sea? What, what, what could they do? Moses was like, all right, I can't split the Red Sea. We'll go back. Oh, there, here comes Pharaoh's army. So I go, and you get in those spots that what can you do? Nothing. Do you know what we do? We jump in the water and try to swim and drown. You know, we just, we try to force things to happen. And that's when he was like, be still and know that I am God. And I think maybe that sometimes God brings us to things that says, what did you do? All that I could. And God says, all right, stop right there. You did everything that you can. Now wait on God. Because I tell you, faith is hard. I know these things, but you know, that's why we're battling against our flesh. We battle against our minds all the time. But God wants us to trust in Him. So what did God do? God waited for them to trust in Him, and God made a way. And by the way, God made a way that seemed impossible. I guarantee you the children of Israel are sitting there going, I don't know what's going to happen but there's just no way. But God made a way when there seemed to be no way. Do what you can. Number two, and leave the rest to God. Now, there's so many verses that apply to this, and I'm going to answer the question, how do you leave the rest to God? See, I don't want to worry, but sometimes I'm worried about if I'm worrying, because if I'm worrying, I'm sinning, and I don't want to worry about worrying. You know what I'm saying? It's just like it just gets overwhelming, and it's just... And I'm just being honest. It's like I start talking to my wife about stuff. And, well, we can't worry about it. I'm not going to worry about it. But here's another thing. You know, it's just like, and I'm not leaving it. I'm just consuming it. I'm trying to find that balance between working through it and letting it consume me. You know, so this is a, this is a big thing that does this. So it's a process. It's a battle. You guys realize that the Bible talks about your, your flesh being in battle with your spirit. Is It is a battle. So it means that if you just let it go, it's going to take you over. You've got to fight back. You've got to mentally take these steps to fight worry. So number one, we start by bringing it to him. And I know some of this stuff is so like, you know, we've heard it our whole lives and stuff, but I want to I talk about this. The Bible says, be careful or be anxious or be worried for nothing. It's not, it's not an option. It's a command. He said, be anxious for nothing, but 
God always comes in and tells you what to do. But in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made unto God. In everything that you do, not just in the little stuff, in the big stuff, but in everything, we bring it to God. So it's amazing how we'll let these things come upon us. And God says, it will. I'm going to tell you these things are going to affect you. But in everything, in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. So there's an avenue. It's like I was talking about fasting is that treadmill. You get on there and it's a physical act that we do. So God's saying, I'm going to give you this advice. And I'll, I'll connect this about casting care, about praying for something. So with that, every time that I come across and I hear about the virus on the news or in the newspaper or on Facebook and this stuff that's around us all the time, I turn it from allowing it to affect my mind to worry to do what instead? Pray. To pray. I literally just say, God, my son belongs to you. God, I didn't, I didn't plan this trip around the time of this disease, and neither did my son. And God, there's nothing that I can do. And so I need your help. That, do you know what supplication is? We studied that this morning. That's that earnest desire, that brokenness. It's, I can't do this, God. I can't do this. God, as your heavenly Father, wants to hear his children admit that they cannot do it. Not because he takes glory in our frustration, but he, he takes joy in knowing that you're looking to him. It's in prayer and supplication, which is that brokenness and thanksgiving, literally in the aspect of you just don't do it, but sometimes it changes our mood or our mindset when you begin to thank God. God, you gave him this trip, and you gave me a healthy son, and you opened the door for him to go, and I know that you don't lead us into problems that you're not going to take care of. And I know that you'll go before him and you can protect him and you can guard him. And all of a sudden, my mind shifts back to truth instead of anxiety. And I know that's easier said than done. But like I said, these things have to be spiritual disciplines. Because now every time I hear the news, in my mind, I trigger it to look up rather than being frustrated. That's what he was saying by this in this passage right here. We bring it to God. We tell this to everybody all the time, but it's so much harder when it's us. Now finish the verse. Listen to this, verse 7. And the peace of God, that let me tell you, that, that, that is indescribable and it doesn't make sense. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding. And this is what God was promising through this. When we pray in supplication and trust God through this, God said, here's what's going to happen. The peace of God that passes all understanding. Now, I could sit there and say that every person in that airport could be infected with that disease, and that, that might be the truth at some point. I don't know. But I do know this, that God is able to take my mind and put it in a place that doesn't make sense. He just is able to do it. The peace of God that passes all understanding, and just say, God, it logically doesn't make sense that this would even be possible. God is able to calm you in a way that nothing else can calm you. Through prayer and supplication, that's what in the peace of God that comes upon you. Do you know what the peace is? It's a rest. God puts our hearts to rest because anxiety is an overload of it. And God soothes it. God calms us, which passes all understanding, shall keep your heart and minds through Jesus Christ. That word keep means to guard or protect. Now, I did this one Sunday morning. I thought it was a, a really cool illustration and I can't remember, I think it was um, uh, LeBron James. I, I showed a video or a video clip, some of you might remember it, and it kept showing the other team going up to slam dunk it, and he kept going up and smacking it out of the way. 
And he was, he was guarding it. And it was, it was just these cool shots. And I showed this video and I was explaining that word means the same thing. And Satan comes up to your heart and mind and just says, yeah, but what about this? The Holy Spirit, when you give God control and you're praying it and your supplication and you're thinking, God turns around as soon as that thought and God knocks it down. That's, that's what he does. He says, no, you're not messing with my boy. And all of a sudden, that night you're able to sleep when you weren't able to sleep. You know why? Because God made a promise that I will guard your heart. That is what the peace of God does to where you can hear the news and all of a sudden it doesn't go in the overdrive thinking the bad things, but God guards. It shall keep your hearts and minds. How? Through Jesus Christ. It's, it's that whole promise of the strength that he gives you that doesn't make sense. It is so cool. So we bring it to him. Now, this is the hard part, and this is something hard to understand. But the next thing is you give it to him. Me and Pastor Chris were talking about this just a minute ago, right before I came in here. This is cool. So I love doing word studies, and you guys probably know that, like the, the word power this morning, the word love, when you get into it and seeing the roots and what it means and having a bigger understanding of what it and the language is so powerful and cool. Here's the verse that we say all the time about this, about giving it to God. Cast your care upon him, for he careth for you. This verse used to frustrate me because I didn't get it. If I have a bill, okay, and I have a debt or I have a problem, and preachers used to say when I was growing up, just lay it at the altar, brother. And I'm thinking, okay, wouldn't that be great if we could really do that? <laughs> it's like, here's my debt. Leave it right there. I don't know if that means the pastor's going to come in and pay it. I, I don't know what's going on. But we say things like that. Just leave it at the altar, brother. And I'm, but I think almost that sounds so cliche to say. It sounds great. But at the reality, they're going to come knocking on your door saying, I don't care where you left the bill, dude. I need to pay it. It would be great if you could just come back and say, excuse me, sir, let me explain. I left that at the altar and you cannot touch me with it. You know, it just doesn't work that way. But... There's only two times in the Greek that this word is used. Only two times. Casting your care upon him. So let's read the second time. And you're going to say, all right, that helps nothing at all, Pastor Tony. So here's Jesus calling for them to go get the donkey for him to go riding in on. Saying, go ye into the village over against you, in which that you're entering in, you shall find a colt tied, wherein yet never man sat. Loose him and bring him hither. And if any man ask you why loose him, thus shall you say unto him, because the Lord hath need of him. And they besought him to Jesus, and they cast their garments upon the colt, and they set Jesus thereon. You're saying, all right, that has nothing with casting your cares upon Jesus. But here's the idea of this. That word casting their, their cloak upon him and Jesus sat on it was a matter of the fact that the colt was to carry the load. But the load was still carried out with the person. In our lives, it's not a matter of the idea that we leave it there. When we were building the stage, we were carrying in those sets, and some of those pieces are huge, and we're carrying them up the steps, and we're putting them in the place. It was amazing what happened when I would come and say, guys, we need some help over here, and all the other guys would run over, and all of a sudden, that load that I was carrying, I was still carrying it. But all of a sudden, the load was lifted up by other people to where it wasn't as heavy anymore. It brought me rest in a way that I couldn't. It's not a matter of us giving it to God and walking away with it. It's a matter of placing it on the strength of God as I go through life that he carries the pain and the burden of it where I cannot do myself. So I'm going to walk away with it. I'm going to go through life 
but it's a matter that I know that I've given it to Jesus in such a way that he promised me that he would carry it through. He lifts our burdens. He does all this. He carries the weight. God promised to do this. You say, that's still, I still need more. Well, here's the next part that he says. We trust in the Father's love. This passage in Matthew 6 was saturated with the direction towards God. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today and tomorrow is cast in the oven, which literally means it grows and it dies like you caught in the grass, so how much more uh, clothe ye, or clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink? Wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. The heavenly Father. I, 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 all of a sudden it puts into an idea that uh, I, I can get with this. Let me tell you guys this. My kids will not go hungry. Is that, is that a fair say? Is any other parent in here going to say that I will do whatever it takes because I love my kids and make sure that my kids don't go hungry? Why is that? Because I have an obligation to those kids. No. no. Why, why would I do that for my kids where I would work three jobs if I have to? I would stay up all night. I would deliver pizzas. I would, you know, whatever it took. Why do, why do we do that? I love them. If my kids had this much idea of how much that I love them into what lengths that I would go, and, and you've got to understand that God was putting out on a level and just saying, will you just understand what I'm doing here? I love you. I love you. Heavenly Father, the verbiage that he was saying there, and he's saying, if I love you, I'll meet your needs. If I love you, I'll take care of it because I'm driven by love to do this, not because I have to. Read the rest of First Peter. Casting your care upon Him. Why? Because He cares for you. Remember me and Morgan a few years ago, we're going through the store and we were shopping and we were doing Christmas shopping. And I remember we started getting stuff and you guys know how it is. You get in there not thinking that you're, you know, going to get that much. And then we both had our arms full and I look over and she's like carrying this stuff. And I looked over and I said, let Daddy carry that. I already had my arms full. I did. But I wanted to carry that burden in front of her so that she didn't have to do it herself. God does that for us. He desires, he wants to do that. David said this, I have been young and now I am old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. Think about this as a father. Think about this, if I, how this would make me feel. If I was to walk into Morgan's room, and I only use Morgan because she's my youngest and it works. My kids always get on to me after I'm doing illustrations like, oh, so you love Morgan more than me. You know, just all this. I just want to come back and say, yes, yes, I do. You know, just, I'm not saying that that's true. I'm just saying I love all my kids equally, just differently at different times. So it's just like, um, but if I walked in there and I saw that she was hoarding food in her room, and you say, that's crazy. But let's just, just say that. And I went there and it's like, Morgan, why are you doing that? She says, well, Daddy, I'm just, tomorrow... I'm going to be hungry again, and I want to make sure that there's food for me tomorrow too. I'd go to her and say, Morgan, you don't have to do that because tomorrow I'm going to love you just as much, and tomorrow I'm going to make sure that you're fed like you were fed today. You see, sometimes we carry responsibilities that we place on ourselves that was never meant to be placed on us. Do you understand that everything that he's saying, he says, I clothe the grass. I take care of the birds. God says, you, you see all these things taken care of. He says, how much more will I do this for you? 
See, it's not our job to go out and worry about the grass or anything because God takes care of those things. And God's saying the same thing about us. God said, I made you a promise that I love you. I will take care of you. I promise I will take care of you. We don't have to fear tomorrow. That's where we go into this next part where we have to trust in the Father's power. I, 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 have, I have resources and connections and knowledge and everything that I know for Morgan that I can take care of her, but she's got to trust in the power that I have to make sure that that happens. That's where he says, if I so clothe the grass in the field and today and tomorrow and cast in the oven, how much more shall I clothe you? You know why? Because if I do that faithfully for the trees and the birds, I will do it so much more for you because I love you. Number five, take it one day at a time. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. And this is great advice that the Bible is saying. We can sit there and let our minds travel to the other things. And once again, we're not planning. Not planning. It's not a matter of not thinking ahead. But at the same time, in our life, and I tell you people this all the time, the Bible makes this statement, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. So you know what I need to worry about right now is getting through today because a lot of times I don't know what holds tomorrow. I don't know where I'm going to be. I don't know what the economy is going to be. And God said, don't worry about it because I do. God's already there. He already knows what's going to happen. He already knows how to take care of you. He's already there. Number six, we set our minds on his word. So that verse says, be careful for nothing, but in everything in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. The promise and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your mind, your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Now notice what he says next. This is an application. This is a practice for us to do. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. Then just stop like that. Whatsoever things are true. What is true right now? Let's just take Jordan for an illustration right now. The truth of the matter is my son is not sick. The truth of the matter is that he's on a plane and God planned it out. The truth of the matter, I need to focus what is on true rather than not what could be. Because you know, all the news stations, they love to stir up. They wouldn't have a job if they couldn't scare you guys. You know what I'm saying? They'd be out of a job. The economy predicts that in 2022, the economy America will be blah, blah. You know, it's like, oh, you know, they, they have to stir that up. But the truth of the matter is we know what God has promised. We know where we're at today. I know I have a roof on my Think about what is true. Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report. If there's going to be any virtue, if there's going to be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and God of peace shall be with you. You know where the peace comes from? When we put my mind on the right things. I have to put my mind on things that are right and true and things. Now, I know we say and we go back to the Word of God and know that because all of these things add up to this. And I'm going to show you guys something that I wanted to show and for whatever reason, God completely took out of my brain when I was preaching this. A while back, I did, a few weeks ago, I did a service on music. I was talking about the power of music and all those other things. And we talked about the old and new music and what there and the styles and psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And there's this whole point that I wanted to bring out that I was so excited about and didn't make sense. Joshua 1.8 says this. This book of the law shall not depart out of my mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Now that's a weird thing. Because I don't know how to meditate therein day and night. That sounds good. I don't know how to do that. 
Does anybody else walk around through your job and say Romans 3? It's just logically it's hard to do to, to think on verses all day long of John 3, 16, whatever. And I know that's an exaggeration, but to, to meditate there and day and night. But God gave us something really powerful. The Bible says to worship him in psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. Go back to the verse. I put it in here for you. Talk about the tools that God's hooking us up with these things. What does it say at the beginning of that verse? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Okay, God says, I want you to think about the word of God. So we take these things and then God says, I'm going to help you. You know, how was you in the illustration about how when I was a teenager, I'd go around or, you know, younger and stuff and you get a song stuck in your head. And my mom was like, why are you singing Budweiser commercials, Tony? You're just like, or Jones Topsoil brings it home to you. You know, you get those things and all these different things, these jingles or whatever. Music is stuck in our heads. But the thing is, God has given us the instrument of music to put a melody to where all of a sudden you think about these things. Never once have I ever walked alone. He is faithful. He is faithful. All these different things, the great I am and stuff, our minds begin to think. So he said, let the word of God dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another. How? Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. God allows the word of God and the principles of the word of God to be put into music to get put in my head to where I walk around singing and thinking about the Word of God all day long. In my car, as I'm having a tune stuck in my head, as I walk out of church, as I hear the radio, as I hear Spotify, as I hear Apple Music, as wherever I'm at, the Word of God is just ringing through. And it's not necessarily John 3.16, but he said teaching and admonishing each other through music. That's why I'm a big, big promoter and advocate of guys you want to train your brain to look on or think about the things that are pure and lovely and good and honest, get the junk out of your radio. Get it out of your radio because you're never going to listen to stuff that is promoting everything negative in your life and think that your mind's going to be in the right place. But when I start thinking on the things of the Word of God and it gets in my head, all of a sudden I am thinking about how faithful God is and how good God is and not just all the problems of the world. So powerful. Last point, we're done. Don't carry the burdens alone. This is so powerful. Now you sit there and say that that's the initial thing. Whatever you have before it gets into anxiety, there's true things. I could lose my job. This might be cancer. I think my son might be doing things behind my back. Whatever the burden is, that is the thing that Satan wants to run with and turn into anxiety and run and turn into fretting, fearing, and worry. So all of a sudden, God has given us this thing. He says, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Don't skip the first steps. I'm not saying don't pray, because sometimes we sit there and we call up somebody, you won't believe what happened, and we skip the whole God part. I'm not saying don't skip God, but God has given us this thing to where when I'm going through something before I have a chance to do this, this is what God does. Iron sharpens iron. The Bible says this, for if, if, for if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow, but woe unto whom it is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. So here's what God does through Christian fellowship, through taking care of one another. Hey, they're saying at work that I might lose my job. I'm not saying me. For, I don't want you guys walking out of here saying, pastor's losing his job. I... I I actually did that one time. I was preaching, and I, I was, gave an illustration, and somebody really thought that it was me that I was talking about. I was just talking hypothetically. 
But let's say there is a situation that you could lose your job, and you talk to somebody and say, hey, I need you to pray with me about it because I'm thinking I'm next. It's going to be me. And is it great when true friends put you in check and say they come back to you and God made this iron sharpens iron? Did they actually tell you you're going to lose your job? No, but I've seen what they've done before, and, I, and this is the same. Okay, well, what is true? Truth is, right now I have a job. Have they come to you to tell you you're next? No. Are you up for what? No. And all of a sudden, God allows other Christians to help lift you up, bear your burden, and keep you in check. That's not a replacement for God. It's not a replacement for the Spirit of God and all the things that He promised to keep your heart and mind. But it is a tool that a lot of times we don't. And a lot of times we bear burdens by ourselves. You guys ever know that? I have people tell me that all the time. I said, who have you told? No, nobody. I just didn't want to bug people. You guys realize that in this room, God has created a community to be bugged? Right. He really has. And it might not be where you all run to the same person because that person can't handle it. But I, I used an illustration one time, and if I, I could do this right now. And just, if you, I was to tell everybody, reach out in front of you and touch the person in front of you. You see, the thing is, God is putting somebody in all of our reach, and that's why the whole body is connected to bear each other's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So what that does is God allows each other Christians to keep in check to try to tell you. And even with this, uh, with, with having brothers and sisters in Christ and Jordan being on this trip, I have all these people saying, man, praying for you, praying for Jordan. You know what God's doing? I've got this. He's okay. I'm, I love you, Tony. I love your son. I love what he's doing. I, I go before you. I'm bigger than any virus. I'm bigger than the flu. I'm bigger. God has this. Tonight, I can go to sleep, and the peace of God will be with me to call me in a way that nothing else can. Now, I'm going to tell you guys, it is an absolute battle in your life. You're never going to conquer the subject of worry because Satan will always be knocking on your door trying to mess with your mind to get you back. It is a real thing. But remember this, it is a sin. And just like any other sin, it hinders revival, it hinders our walk with God, it hinders our, our, our respect and our trust in God. So we won't do this now, but I look up these verses when you have time. John 14, 1, Let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. He said, don't let your heart be troubled. You know why? Do you believe what I said? It says in Joshua 1.9, Have I not commanded thee, be strong and of good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with you, whithersoever thou goest. He said, do you understand? If you do lose your job, I'm going with you. If your son is sick, I'll go with you. Do not understand that if you go to the hospital, I'm going with you. Wherever you go, whatever you face, you're not alone. You're not doing it alone. Psalms 34, verse 4, I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. The Bible does not say I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my troubles. What did he deliver me from? Fears. My fears. What was going on in my head where the devil was trying to take it. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not on your own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. You know what he's saying there? He said, you've got to learn whatever the situation is that comes up, job, family, kids, spouse, whatever, sickness, 401k, you've got to trust in the Lord with all thine heart. You know what the heart is? The inner man. It's what we started with. John 14, 26 and 27. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send me in thy name, 
He shall teach you all things and bring all things to remembrance whatsoever I said unto you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. So powerful. Peace. I want you to have peace. And God's just like this as his father saying, you want it? I'll give it to you. Peace I give unto you. I have it. It will calm you, whatever. But you have to trust in God to take it. We don't have to be discouraged and overcome with worry. We don't have to. We just have to fight it.